Good afternoon, and thanks so much for joining us today for Managing to Make a Difference. I'm Kimberly Shirk. I'll be your moderator for today's show. I am joined, as always, by co-authors Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. They are our experts in management techniques, the research behind them, and why effectively implementing them can really make a difference in your organization. So today's topic for discussion is described in Chapter 58 of Managing to Make a Difference, talking about exerting moral authority. And I, I tend to always say this, Larry I, and Kim, both. Um, I, I don't ever mean it differently, but today is, today's topic is especially interesting to me. So exerting moral authority, and I thought today we should kick off um, with sharing exactly what we mean by that. So, Larry, I know that you have a great story that kicks off that chapter of the book about C. Everett Koop. I wondered if you might want to share that. Yeah, I, I love this story. Uh, C. Everett Koop was the Surgeon General of the United States of America, and he happens to be an individual I personally admire. Uh, He is the individual who reduced uh, the the amount of cancer people were suffering from in the United States uh, by advertising. He is the person who ultimately uh, started the movement that resulted in warning labels on cigarette packs and and things of the sort. And if you weren't uh, living through that and reading the news and so forth, it's hard now to, in retrospect, to understand how much of a challenge that was uh, because of the big tobacco lobby and the amount of money that they contributed to quite a large number of politicians. It, it was uh, very courageous of him and very difficult uh, to do, and he did it. So in any event, after that, uh, he was still Surgeon General. He was a guest on the Johnny Carson show, and uh, they were having some great conversation, of course, and, and Carson said to him, you know, let me ask you a question. And, and again, this was in the days when people smoked. And he, he said, if, if you're invited to a party, say, when, when you show up and you come in, does everybody put their cigarettes out really quick when they see you? And he smiled and proudly. He said, yes, they do. That is moral authority. You know, this is funny because when we were prepping for the show, this did not come to me, but just now an example came to me. So when I was a young girl, we used to go to the tobacco store and pick out our dad's tobacco with him for his pipe. And at some point in time during this time period, I assume, we told our dad he couldn't smoke anymore. It was really bad for him. And he used to travel quite a bit around the world um, for the railroad that he worked with. And one day, my mom took all three of us children to the airport And my dad got off of the airplane with a cigarette in his mouth. And he had told us he had stopped smoking. And he put that cigarette out so fast, you would not have believed it. But it is a memory emblazoned in my mind. And it's probably, now that I think about it, the first perceptive um, initiation from my family members of a little bit of moral authority. And I didn't even think about that until you were just sharing that story. Well, excellent. Uh, What a great memory. Yeah, it is a great memory. Kim, what comes to mind when you hear this story? Well, you know, what comes to mind for me is this. Um, I bet C. Everett Koop didn't smoke. <laughs> and, 
he took a position, but he lived that position too. Um, and there's, there's lots of layers to moral authority. It's not enough just to say that something's not the right thing to do or that something is the right thing to do. It's not even enough to, you know, fight the good fight. You got to really live it yourself. Yes. And, and, uh, Part of understanding moral authority is if, if you want to gain moral authority and then exert moral authority, you have to be the kind of person that other people look up to and want to emulate. And as you say, Kim, it has a lot to do with how you're living your life. I think there were a lot of examples um, as we talked about this story that come to mind and a lot that are still very present in our news and our current events every day, John McCain immediately comes to my mind. What other examples come to mind when you think of someone who is able to exert moral authority? I actually well, heard one on the news just last night. Um, and it, this is local news. And it was a very short little blurb. But I knew we were going to have this show. And it, it hit me immediately. This is moral authority. Um, the newscaster was saying talking about a football team, and I can't even tell you which one, a high school football team that just won its first game of the season. Now, high school football season is almost over. And he went on to explain that the reason that this team just won its first game of the season was that it had had to forfeit many wins previously in the season. It had been playing all season, had won a number of games, but had to forfeit all of them. And the reason that those games had been forfeited was that it came to light internally at the school that a recruiting violation in, in violation of the state rules for how you get students on your team had occurred at the school. And the principal of that school self-reported. And as a result, that team had to forfeit a number of games. That's moral authority. We did something wrong. If we didn't say anything about it, there's a good chance nobody would ever know. But we're going to say we did something wrong, and we're going to take the consequences for that. And the result of that is that all the constituents that that principle serves and leads gain in their respect for him or her, you didn't say what the gender of that principle was, but uh, that person uh, gains that moral authority by doing that, and when he or she speaks, uh, or when the the football team is together, they they know we have to do things in the right way because if we don't, uh, there will be negative consequences for us, uh, and he's he's establishing something about the cultural values of that school, the fundamental moral values of that school. Uh, if you want some more names of people, I, I wrote a list. Uh, but one of them everybody will know is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, I, it so happens that I listen to the uh, so-called uh, I Have a Dream speech every year on, on the anniversary of that speech. And uh, 
the person who introduced him introduced him as the moral leader of the United States of America. Um, so, you know, he, he acquired that kind of moral authority. Uh, Nelson Mandela, uh, who sat in jail for more than 20 years uh, in adherence to his principles. Um, the, all the demonstrators in Tiananmen Square, uh, Rosa Parks, um, the people who crossed the Edmund Pettus Bridge in, in Selma all those years ago, etc. So there are plenty of people that we can look to. Uh, and one of my uh, personal favorites, besides, uh, besides Everett Koop, uh, happens to be Socrates. Now, many of our listeners probably don't know uh, much about the historic Socrates. Socrates was a real person. He really lived. He really did teach, uh, and uh, he was put on trial in ancient Greece uh, for corrupting the youth. What he was teaching was not in accordance with uh, the established uh, points of view, and uh, it, it was very, very political, and he was put on trial for it. And he was convicted. Uh, and, and the, you know, the Greeks were very advanced people. And this is all written down. And there's, there's a, a thorough historical account of this and in addition to the way he defended himself. Uh, because the, the custom of the time would have been that he would have uh, pled for mercy. Uh, and um, they would have levied some uh, punishment on him that was not severe. Uh, but instead, they condemned him to death. And it was uh, the first recorded instance of civil disobedience, because true civil disobedience not only involves a disobedience, but it involves the willingness to accept the consequences of the disobedience when you know you're uh, breaking the law. And he he could have, even after the sentencing, even after the conviction and the sentencing to death, he could have, according to the custom of the time, just left the country and lived in exile. But he also refused to do that uh, on the grounds that he had lived in Greece and Greece was like his parent, like his father, and he had enjoyed the protections of the laws and he was not now going to uh, be a hypocrite and, and flaunt those laws, uh, and he accepted his sentence, and, and he was uh, given, uh, famously given um, poison to drink. Uh, and uh, uh, he did, in fact, die as a result of this, but his students were, were urging him uh, to leave the country, and he just said, no, that's not part of what this is. That gives you, that's moral authority. I mean, I didn't write this on my list, but, you know, Jesus Christ, why are all these people going to church? The, the moral authority uh, that Jesus acquired based on the way he lived his life, uh, look at what it's resulted in uh, down through the years and strictly because of moral authority and nothing else. Kim, as I um, 
as we contemplate all of these characters, these figures, these historical figures that have been just amazing examples of moral authority, and we only have just a quick moment before we break, but um, what comes to mind in terms of what they collectively have as a group? Uh, They collectively have a commitment to a value that is greater than themselves. Um, And they will maintain that commitment in spite of any level of um, unpleasantness that may accompany that position. I love that. I love that definition. So we're going to take a quick break. Uh, We have been talking about exerting moral authority. It's in Chapter 58 of the book, Managing to Make a Difference. What I love about this book is there is an experiment in every single chapter that you can take away, that you can try there in your organization and see what the results are. So I really encourage you to pick up a copy. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Managing to Make a Difference. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events.
whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference. We're so glad that you have joined us today. We want to let you know that if you do want to purchase copies for your organization of Managing to Make a Difference, you can go to 800 CEO Reads and get bulk purchases, and they can even brand those with your company or your organization for a specific event. So we wanted to let you know about that. But we're coming back to talk about Chapter 58 of Managing to Make a Difference, Exerting Moral Authority. And what we really ended on as we um, went through a couple of characteristics and a couple of specific examples of people who have been great examples of exerting moral authority is their commonality is really a commitment to a value that is greater than themselves. And I just love that definition. So as we think about that, Larry, what comes to mind for you? Well, uh, partially it starts with that commitment, but the the depth of that commitment is illustrated in the fact that they are going to adhere to those principles and those values, even when it is very costly. And, you know, a name I didn't mention that came up during the break was Muhammad Ali. You know, we see sports figures, you know, protesting and so forth. Uh, but in Muhammad Ali, uh, it really cost him. It cost him, I think, if I remember correctly, three years of not competing at the height of his prowess in a sport where you don't compete late into your, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, this is a sport for young men. And um, he he gave up a lot uh, to stand for what he stood for. And by the way, that's why he is so revered. It isn't, I mean, he might have been one of the greatest boxers of all time. That's fine. People say that. But that's not why Muhammad Ali is a revered individual. It's because he not only had that commitment to the principles, but he was willing to suffer uh, as a result of adhering to them. Mm -hmm. Kim, one of the things I've um, mentioned is that I love that we have this experiment in each chapter of this book, and um, it's really just kind of a hands-on takeaway. But in this chapter particularly, um, there are some things that jump out at me. Can you talk me through a little bit about the experiment in this chapter? Sure, and I'm glad we're turning in that direction because it's, it's easy to kind of look at a lot of these figures that you can name and say, well, you know, that's for those people. But moral authority is for everybody. Um, anyone can do this. You just have to decide that you will. Um, and, you know, that, that example of the high school principal, no one knows that person's name. I can't even remember what school it was. Um, but these things are commonplace. Uh, even though they're somewhat uncommon because people aren't always that committed. So let's talk about that experiment. Um, You know, here are some things to try that will move you in that direction. One is to live your values, walk your talk. Um, When you're in a leadership position and you are making a decision, about where that line in the sand is going to be, what values you're going to stand on no matter what the cost is, that can incur costs to other people. 
And so as a leader or a manager, one of the important things for you to do in that situation is to discuss the alternatives with the other people who are going to be affected by the decision that you make to help them see the realities of those alternatives and to help them see why you would choose the choice you're going to make, why you will take that path that might come at a higher cost to do the right thing. Um, Another portion of the experiment is to avoid even the appearance of impropriety. And that's an interesting one because oftentimes people have all the best intent, but what actually happens can be perceived as having been improper. And that can, that can impugn a person's integrity and it can diminish their moral authority. So let's stop with those three, see what we want to discuss before we go on. Well, there's plenty to discuss about each of those. I mean, if you don't walk your talk, you have just completely destroyed your moral authority, period. You're done. Uh, Because as you said earlier, uh, Kim, it's how you live. It's what you do. And if the, the choices you make about how you're going to live don't, sync up with how you say a person ought to live, your moral authority is just done, absolutely done, because then it becomes hypocrisy. And uh, people don't want to follow uh, a hypocrite. So uh, it, when, and, and I'm sure that listeners have been in situations, whether it's an organization or some other situation where there's a leader who is not walking his or her talk and you, you just turn off. You're done. And, and so, uh, and it's not always easy because sometimes it's costly uh, to walk your talk. So uh, you, you see this going on uh, right now in, in the legislature. We're having tax reform. Uh, and there are some people in our legislature who are going to vote in a certain way because of how it affects their pocketbook and not because of principles that they believe about what, how, how taxes ought to work and so forth. Uh, if it doesn't benefit them, they won't vote in favor of it. Um, uh, so you, you see those things all the time, but you see people walking their talk. And again, it's easy to do that when the sun is shining. Do you still walk your talk when it's stormy and when it costs you something? And then about discussing the alternatives, what comes up for me on that one is we tend to, in conversations like this, we tend to talk as if it's always clear what's the right thing to do. (coughs) And then you can just decide to choose it or not choose it. And the truth is in life, it's not always clear what what the right thing to do is. And then more often than not, it isn't clear. Because the universe, the world, doesn't fit neatly into our categories and our definition. You know, what's a, what's a bush and what's a tree? You know, uh, what's a platypus? Is it, is it a mammal? Well, you know, et cetera. Things don't fit neatly into the categories that we've created. And, and they particularly don't do that about right and wrong, good and bad. So in many cases, it's not going to be evident that this particular choice is the right thing to do. And, and so what, what we're saying there is 
have some open discussion with people about it and be honest. It's, it's not clear what, what the right thing to do is. Uh, and, and, um, and, you know, we see this discussion going on right now in, in our society with these athletes who are taking a knee, uh, and they say it's, it's to uh, highlight and protest certain forms of social injustice, and other people are interpreting it as being disrespectful uh, to the flag and, and to people in the military, et cetera. And, and so there's a lot of question about, A, what's the right thing to do for athletes? And B, for owners and the league and the people who run the league, what's the right way to respond? Uh, and the, my point is, the answers to these questions are not easy and they're not clear. But what, if you want to maintain moral authority, invite open discussion about why a certain choice might be superior to another choice. And in the real world, and our listeners know that at some point in time, people have to take, that a decision will be made about these things. And many of our listeners are going to be in a position where they will have to make decisions about what's the right thing to do in their department or their other area of responsibility. And, and don't be hesitant to say, I'm not sure what the right thing to do is. Let's talk about it and invite even points of view that you might find extremely distasteful. Uh, invite them uh, to state their to state their case. And at the end of the day, once you make a decision, um, at least people will know that uh, you you thought out the decision and they, they will be more likely to accept it. But you won't lose your moral authority simply because you made a decision somebody else disagreed with. Uh, that's what we're saying there about discussing the alternatives. And then well, avoid- before we move on from that point, I, I want to point out this. It's not a sign of weakness to discuss these kinds of difficult questions with people and to listen to their answers and to hear what they're thinking about and what affects them and how they see it and to use that to help you come to the best conclusion. And you know what, Kim, you're saying, and, and I couldn't, couldn't agree more, uh, but here's what's coming up for me. If we were to rewrite what we wrote in this chapter, I would include the following principle, which we did not include. Do not demonize those who disagree with you. You know, that, that's part of really listening with an open mind and an open heart and showing respect for the other person, and so not demonizing them, really contributes to your moral authority. Uh, because the people who demonize those with opposing interests, that's fear. That's what's going on there. That's just plain old fear and insecurity. It takes a secure person to listen with an open mind uh, and have confidence in your own ability and your own judgment. So I would have added that to uh, to the chapter, but we can certainly, and we just did, add it to this conversation. <laughs> you know, what strikes me is that often people notice moral authority um, less in the positive 
than in the negative. And it's something that I would like to explore when we come back for our next segment, um, that, that there are some pretty obvious examples of a lack of moral authority and what happens to an organization um, when there is no moral authority in a leadership position. So I'd like to explore that in the next segment. But right now, if you would like to visit our website, at managetomakeadifference.com, you're going to find some extra materials, extra exercises that go along with what we talk about each podcast, as well as all the information you need to order books on your team. So I wanted to remind you of that. Um, Often I think we get so lost in our great conversation, which I love, but I do want to point you to that resource because there are additional resources there that may be of help to you as you lead your organizations, as you lead your teams in helping you manage to really make a difference. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back for the next segment and talk about some absence of moral authority. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference. We want to know, do you have a question related to this topic that we're talking about today, which is exerting moral authority or any other management issue that you're really facing? We really value your input as our audience members. And so if you have questions that you'd like for us to address on future podcasts, all you have to do is simply click that email host button just above the podcast description, and we will work those topics into any upcoming podcast. So we wanted to make sure that you knew that that was available to you. Today, we're talking about Chapter 58 of the book, Managing to Make a Difference. We're talking about exerting moral authority. And one of the things we really honed in on is part of the experiment that you can find in the book, Managing to Make a Difference. Um, some of these techniques that you can use to examine yourself. You know, are you walking your talk? Are you living your values? Are you avoiding even the appearance of impropriety? And that leads me to a question to say, do we notice moral exerting the exertion of moral authority more when it is present or when it is absent? What are your thoughts around that? I think we hear more about it when it's absent because that's when that's when things get triggered. You know, something happened, there was a, there was a fraud, there was a scam, there was a, a lie, there was a, <laughs> a cover-up, right? Um, those are the things that get in attention, and those are the failures of moral authority. Less often do we hear the stories of people who took a stand and stood for it and tried to do the right thing. And we have one... It's been in the news the past couple of days, Senator Jeff Flake. Uh, I would propose whether whether our listeners like Jeff Flake or don't like Jeff Flake, or I would I would propose that his recent speech is going to gain him a huge amount of moral authority. Uh, and he's from Arizona, and I don't expect him to move so. Among uh, among the people of Arizona, whether or not he could get nominated, whether or not he could get elected, there's no question that that speech was based on his perception of the morality uh, of the president of the United States in 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 how he's behaving. And Jeff Flake chose to took a stand, and it's a costly stand, and so. Uh, Sometimes it does get noticed when when you uh, are doing it on the good side. Um, so, you know, I'd like to just highlight the 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 principle of avoiding the appearance of impropriety. You you really do have to think about how things look, even if you are absolutely uh, without blame and you have done nothing wrong, if your wife comes home unexpectedly and finds you behind closed doors with another woman, your bedroom, for instance, even if you didn't do anything wrong, uh, it just doesn't look good. <laughs> and you you need to, and, and people need to... Uh, Think about how things look when in a former life, when I was practicing law, this this principle was taught to me. You, you can do everything right. But if it doesn't look right, people are going to doubt you. 
And so even if it is right, if it doesn't look right, don't do it because it's costly. And we can see this in the news. Uh, Political rivals all the time try to make hay out of something that appears to be wrong. Even, Even if it comes out later on that the person didn't do anything wrong, it's too late. Their reputation has already been trashed. And you need to be aware and avoid doing things that even though they're not wrong, they might look wrong. If you have to explain yourself about something you did, you probably should have thought more carefully about doing it. When I think about um, the cost that exerting moral authority could sometimes um, generate for individuals, I think there might be some people that we have um, traditionally exempted from worrying about that cost. I think about our Supreme Court justices. I think about our federal court judges who have that lifetime appointment. But that's not the reality for our listeners. For the management of organizations, companies every single day, they are challenged with both exerting moral authority themselves and managing teams where they may see, recognize, um, possibly reward or not reward moral authority. When we think about the managers that are really listening in and how difficult that must be um, to face every day, what advice do we have for them? And maybe it's still a portion of the experiment that we're talking about. My advice is the Nike slogan, just do it. Uh, Think about Wells Fargo. Uh, uh, From what we know, there were thousands of people who stole from Wells Fargo depositors intentionally, and they knew they were stealing. And, you know, uh, they could have made a decision to resign. It it could have cost, you know, it would have cost them their job. I'm I'm willing to believe that it would have cost them their job if they didn't participate in this stealing. Uh, So be it. That's my point. That's what walking your talk is. That's how you gain moral authority is you refuse to be associated with that, and you refuse to do it. I mean, the the defense that, well, you know, I need this job, guess what? That's called the Nuremberg defense. And uh, that defense has, has been rejected by society uh, when you know you're doing something wrong, uh, even if there's a cost, uh, don't do it. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying, because you won't feel good about yourself. I assure you that those people do not feel good about themselves. And you don't want to, you don't want, you want to be able to look in the mirror. And, and, and that includes maybe you're going to lose your job. And, you know, that brings me to don't do something because you can get away with it. That's the next principle in the experiment. And again, I'm going to think about the current news. Look at all these powerful men who are being accused of improper sexual harassment. I don't know if there's proper sexual harassment, but uh, sexual harassment. Uh, They're being accused of that. And our entire society condoned that. The women who were the victims didn't think they had any alternative. They didn't think they could get anywhere if they complained. They didn't think they'd, they'd work if 
you know, they resisted to without sophistication because a lot of them resisted by getting out of the situation, uh, et cetera. Um, but, uh, you know, I, you know, I'm 67 years old. I remember it was just taken for granted that this was going to happen to you. Uh, and men were doing it because they could get away with it. Uh, and so people are in varying positions of power. Uh, people at coffee shops can give their friends free coffee uh, when they come in and nobody will catch them. Uh, there's lots of challenges to doing something just because you can get away with it. And don't be that person if you want moral authority. If you don't want moral authority, then it doesn't matter. Just go ahead and see what you can get away with. But um, uh, don't do something just because you're in a position of power and nobody can hold you accountable. That's not a good reason. It's a terrible reason. Kim, what comes to mind for you? I'm thinking about CEOs who, you know, they're accountable for driving profit. They're also accountable for making sure that the people who work for them remain employed. And one of the reasons that that, one of the ways that they do that is to make sure that they achieve profitable returns um, on, on the investments of their businesses. And yet, and yet, <laughs> if you have to cheat to get that result, choose not to play. It's just... It's that simple. That's the question of moral authority. If you're going to have moral authority, no matter what other good gain you might get by superseding it, you're not going to get the greater gain. You're not going to get the greater good of standing for that higher value. Yeah. So people just have to decide that they're going to do what's right and not take advantage of their position. And everybody sees that when you do it. And the other thing that happens where you're a CEO or you're a manager, you're sending the message to people that if you can get away with something, go ahead and get away with it. Uh, you can be selfish. Just uh, get away with what you can. And it creates a culture where People know it's okay not to follow the rules. It's okay to do something that's wrong, provided you can get away with it. It, it sends that, more, that bigger message uh, to people, and then you get the Wells Fargo, and you get the Volkswagen, and some CEO can say, wow, I didn't know what was going on. But I absolutely assure everyone listening that they made choices about their decisions and about their behavior throughout their tenure that sent messages to people that, in general, this kind of behavior, these sorts of choices to do things that weren't right were okay. I absolutely, they have to be accountable for that. And so do you, if you're a listener, so do you in your department. If people are doing things that are wrong, you're accountable. Because somehow or other, you communicated to them, unlike that principle that Kim Turnage talked about, who self-reported, he communicated exactly the opposite. We don't do things that are wrong here. 
What a great discussion here we're having on Chapter 58 in the book, Managing to Make a Difference, on exerting moral authority. When we come back, I'd like to explore, is there a real difference between honesty, integrity, and moral authority? So we're going to take a quick break right here on Managing to Make a Difference, and when we come back, we'll explore a little bit more about Chapter 58. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network when managers make a significant impact their teams are engaged motivated and excited they love what they do when those people work for you you get results results matter and people drive results At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference. We really appreciate you spending your time this afternoon with us. Today, we're talking about Chapter 58 in the book, Managing to Make a Difference, Exert Moral Authority. And we have um, really explored quite a bit here, um, even in terms of what are the demands of a manager and a management team in terms of what they have to do in order to keep their team members employed and in order to contribute to the bottom line and where is that line drawn in terms of what they're willing to do or overlook. And so I think that was a really interesting concept. So if you did not hear that that last segment, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. But one of the things I'd really like to explore right now is, is there a difference between honesty, integrity, and moral authority? Larry, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, there is. Uh, I'd like to start with, with the distinction between honesty and integrity. Uh, very, very often I hear those two concepts conflated. People uh, think that they're synonyms, and they're not. Um, 
let's start with honesty. Honesty is is you know telling the truth and and uh, not taking advantage of of the waiter who gives you the wrong check and it's a lot less than the check should be and you don't point it out and you go ahead. That's uh, so stealing essentially. And uh, so I think we're pretty clear on what honesty is. But integrity is more than honesty. Integrity is your ability to adhere to your values and your principles even when doing so is costly to you and painful to you in some way. That's that's uh, having integrity. So integrity is a much broader uh, concept than than honesty. Uh, engineers talk about the integrity of a structure. For instance, is a building built to maintain its structural integrity uh, in a in a class five uh, a cat five uh, hurricane, and and so forth. So. The, the more stress a building can withstand and still be there and function, the stronger the structural integrity. And a human being is the same way. So the stronger your structural integrity, the more uh, pain you're willing to suffer uh, the, and still adhere to uh, your stated principles. So that's what integrity is. First, you have to know what your values are, and then uh, how much are you willing to go through uh, in order to adhere to those principles. And how do those compare to moral authority? Well, when you, you when you operate with honesty and and integrity to your values, you're going to gain moral authority. And again, moral authority is about acting in ways and living your life in, in ways that people want to emulate you. They respect you, they look up to you, and they want to emulate you. So moral authority goes beyond integrity. Integrity and honesty are two of the things that can bring you moral authority. Uh, but moral authority is, 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 is an even broader subject. Mm-hmm. Kim, when you think about, um, and when I think about helping managers to exert moral authority or recognize moral authority. One of my favorite experiments in this book really walks us through some of those steps. Can you walk us through a couple of those questions that managers can actually ask themselves? Sure. So we've talked about several of them, but we'll just, we'll kind of repeat them. First of all, are you walking your talk? When you, second, when you come up against an issue where, the answer isn't clear, but you want to behave and, and respond in a way that's consistent with your values. Are you discussing your alternatives with other people? And, you know, as Larry pointed out, to what extent are you tempted to demonize people who disagree with you? Third, um, avoid the appearance of impropriety. Fourth, don't do something just because you can get away with it. Fifth, admit your mistakes, apologize, and do your best to make things right. And then last, adhere to your principles even when it's difficult or comes at a cost. And those six things are are things that you can reflect on yourself and say, okay, I'm going to look at myself in the mirror over the past 6, 12, 18 months. Where have I been on these six things? Am I where I want to be? Am I in the ideal place? Because the fact is that, that if I'm not, that doesn't mean that I never will be. And I can do some things. I can, 
I can behave differently in the future. I can intentionally change the way I respond when these kinds of situations come up. And if I think I'm doing poorly in one or more of these areas, I can be intentional about doing something different next time so that I'm in a better place. And I don't want to let this episode end without talking about the brass tacks of this. This makes a difference in the effectiveness of your business practices. And there's, there's research um, on this fact. There are two statements. Management's actions match its words, and management's honest and ethical in its business practices. When, and we talk about that as perceived integrity. When people can say that those things are true, so that the perceived integrity of a business and its managers is higher, they have better business outcomes. They have higher productivity, higher profitability, better industrial relations, which means less unionization because there's a higher level of trust, and greater attractiveness to potential job applicants. All of those things come from achieving that higher level of perceived integrity. So when you decide that you're going to behave in ways that create moral authority for you and for your business, you're going to make your business more successful in the long run. It strikes me that that goes along with the culture and the culture that you build within your institution, which then, if you have a culture which exudes and celebrates and recognizes moral authority, you may be inclined to attract more individuals who actually exert that moral authority. Is that accurate? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. As Larry said, what moral authority is, is it's people wanting to emulate you. And it is also people wanting to work with people like you. I, uh, you know, a quick, a quick Google of Jeff Flake um, brings up some interesting responses from Democrats who are saying, I'm really sad to see this person leave. Not because he's my opponent and he's not going to be fighting me anymore, but because he's a person of character and I want him to be part of the system that I'm a part of. That's moral authority. People want to work with you. And the business results that then um, then you see in an organization, I mean, those are arguably the results that every organization wants to see, every manager wants to see, every C-suite employee wants to see, right? Greater productivity, higher profitability, better culture, um, industrial relations being positive, all those things. So, um we don't really have an argument not for exerting moral authority, well, or do we? But we don't have an argument to, to not do it. Um, but I just want to point out this is a little bit of a hot button for me. Uh, we, we made the business case. Kim Turnage made the business case. You just summarized it. This is something for which I don't think you need to make a business case. Mm-hmm. You know, acting morally and ethically uh, I don't think requires a business case. And, and we've gotten so attached 
to making a business case for everything we want to do in business. And I, th- I think we have to sometimes look at it and say, do we really need to make a business case for this? And even if one exists, and even if we can make the business case, as we have, I just don't think it needs a business case. I think that's a great point. I like that point, Larry. I also like the point of helping people see that they're they're sometimes creating a false dichotomy. I think sometimes people think, if I don't cheat, I can't win. And what I think they need to understand is that if they do, they can't win. Yeah. What a great episode, from my perspective at least, and a great discussion about exerting moral authority. I feel like we could continue for... Um, weeks and weeks on this topic, but it's been really great to um, share and hear your thoughts around this topic. Again, to our audience members, we value your time that you spent with us today, and we want to hear your thoughts. So if you have some examples in your own organization, if you have some thoughts about great moral authority being exerted in your organization that you want to share with us, or if you have questions, and say, I'm not sure that's a reality here, and how do you go about that? I want to get into dive into some more specifics. Please send us those thoughts and comments. Um, again, all you have to do is click the email host button that's just above the podcast on your screen, and um, that, that information will get directly to us, and we'll be able to address that in future podcasts. But for now, we'll go ahead and wrap up. Um, chapter 58 in the book, Managing to Make a Difference. We do hope that you pick up a copy, not just for yourself, but for your entire team. The entire goal of this book is to really get in with middle managers, to really relate to them, to understand exactly where they're at in their management careers and where they could go. And as Larry very eloquently always says, um, the goal is to try something new and see if the results work for you. And if it doesn't work for you, then you shift gears. And so this book is chock full of 79 chapters, I believe. 79. 79 chapters full of experiments and lessons that you can take home and try in your organization today. Um, we hope that it makes a huge difference in your organization. And um, until next week, have a great week. Thank you for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference with Talent Plus's Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We hope these real-life management examples will help you manage teams across the globe. Just a reminder, this series airs on Voice America, the business channel, each Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. We hope you'll tune in next week for Managing to Make a Difference. Until then, put these practices into place and manage to make a difference.